am Aaron Prince Staley, and you're listening to the Podcast Preview, where I tell you about a podcast that you are going to love. Today, I'm going to continue my conversation with Claire Dickerson and Shia Carey, the hosts of Trent Talk. Uh, we talked about you talking you two to me on our last episode of the podcast preview, which was a few weeks ago, and I apologize for the delay in delivering this second half of the episode. A whole bunch of stuff blew up, Passover happened, I had a horrible cough and cold, and uh, I started a new job, which is really exciting. Um, I'm hoping to get back to a regular release schedule moving forward, so you shouldn't have to wait too long for the next episode after this one. All right, so I'm going to pick up where I left off with Claire and Shia. I hope you enjoy it. You talking you two to me, I think, perfected the the meta podcast, both literally as a podcast that has podcasts in it and also as a podcast that sort of comments on itself a little bit at, at how crazy it is that they're even doing it and how silly they, you know, the entire mm-hmm. medium is. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's another show. Have you, have you listened to Phoebe? No. Four no, Eyes and Beard? So. Four Eyes and Beard is hosted by Matt Myra and Scott Mosier. Matt Myra is the least famous guy from The Nerdist, and Scott Mosier is the least famous guy from Smodcast. And (laughs) they met, like, in the airplane, airport line in Vancouver for some festival and became fast friends. Um, They both live in Los Angeles. And so they record a podcast themselves that for the first 15 or so episodes was how how funny is it that we're doing this podcast um, and that we're friends now, like they were new in their friendship, you know, and it was uh-huh. sort of fun to listen to them become friends. And then the next 15, they literally only put out when an advertiser asks them to do a show. So <laughs> they'll, do, they'll do the show and say, thanks to Casper mattresses for, uh, for, for paying us the money for another ad, because otherwise we wouldn't have done this for you. Um, <laughs> Phoebe came out before you talking you two to me. And I, I definitely fell in love with it in part because I felt like it was definitely a podcast for podcast fans. Um, yeah. But I think You Talking You Two to Me both does that better and also is more accessible to somebody who's not already obsessed with podcasts. I mean, you have to be ready to play in their sort of weird world, uh, which is a phrase I can't believe I just said. Um, <laughs> Where do they come up with this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you have to be ready to, <laughs> to, to be fine with a U2 podcast that at points in time, literally, they don't get to you two for the entire show. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, like they introduce the show more and more ironically every episode <laughs> yeah. as they as they become conscious of what it is. Because mm-hmm. at, at, at the first episode, I feel like they already had the intro written. It was "Welcome to you talking you two to me," the encyclopedic compendium of all things you two. <laughs> um, and then they. Talked about a fair amount of U2 in the first episode, yeah, but lots. then it sort of dim- it diminished and diminished and diminished until the intro itself became like sort of an ironic yeah. joke. Just be like, by the end of this podcast, you will have heard of U2. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just love, I mean, it's such a, such a like well-built world where they, oh, I hate myself. It's such a, <laughs> it's, it's so fun. The, the jokes they, they, they build up over the course of the episodes. I think it was one of the first few episodes where they they did puns on all of the members of U2's uh, mm-hmm. names. And for the entire rest of the show, they only refer to the band members of U2 by those pun names. Yeah. 
and it's a show about U2. And these guys are genuine U2 fans, and they... So this is one thing we haven't mentioned much yet, is they, they actually do talk about U2 some. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. earnestly, and they're into it. So... Yeah, I, like, Adam... Or, sorry, Scott Ackerman grew up in... He, he grew up in sort of a, a religious, conservative uh, uh, background. Yeah. And... And then one of the first bands he became aware of was U2 because they have, like, they're sort of wholesome and they have, like, a lot of religious tones, you know, still haven't found what I'm looking for. A lot of their songs could be about a girl or Jesus. (laughs) Girl or Jesus. (laughs) The same is true about uh, the music of Modest Yahoo. He says it's about God, but it all could be about a girl, too. Mm -hmm. Have you listened to Modest Yahoo? Not recently. Famous Orthodox Jewish reggae star? Yeah, I I did back when he was blowing up, but not yeah. recently. When I was in, uh, when he came out, I was in high school. I was I was at this yeshiva where I was only allowed to listen to Jewish music, but we were allowed mm. to listen to Modest Yahoo. So it's the same deal as Scott Ackerman, where like I forever <laughs> have, and you too, I think is like a legit, more legitimate band than Modest Yahoo is, you know. But mm-hmm. like I will forever have like a place in my heart for Modest Yahoo because he was the only cool musician I could listen to in 10th grade that's Mm. great that's Mm. kind of funny so I I think to your point Shia that's part of why Scott has such a love for them because he was in this little Christian world where he was really only supposed to be listening to Christian music and you two fit the bill well enough that's right yeah Yeah. Um, one thing that occurred to me earlier when I was running out to get a headphone cable is um, (laughs) I, I feel like you talk and you two to me like they picked the perfect topic. Yes. Um, I, I would have said target, but uh, <laughs> so and the reason I, I say that is because um, like you two is a mega popular band, and it had like all of their music has a really deep significance in a lot of people's lives. Um, they talk about a lot of personal experiences, some spiritual things, like they're socially relevant. Sunday, bloody Sunday, all that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as they got more and more popular and became so huge, they sort of develop this cornball factor and then yeah. they start sh- they start showing up on everyone's ipod unbidden <laughs> yeah and, and it's just like all right enough so i mean there's sort of two sides to you two is like they they have like really resonant music that's very very popular but then also nope sorry we're, we're getting another call we got our first caller <laughs> from wisconsin's trying to call me <laughs> i grew up listening to you two a little bit uh you know sunday bloody sunday that War album was one of the first albums I listened to, like just before I discovered music that I was personally into, you know, on my own and like s- sort of was started my teenage music listening years. Before that, there were a couple of albums that I listened to, which was basically They Might Be Giants, um, Flood, um, Thomas Dolby, the, whatever the good one is from him, and, <laughs> and U2's War. So, and then I also heard... The Joshua Tree a few times because we uh, I grew up in San Diego and we used to go visit Joshua Tree all the time. Um, and my parents loved the album Joshua Tree as well. So they would play the Joshua Tree album. Um, and when I was in the, you know, 10 years old in the back of the car, falling asleep in the dark on the way home from Joshua Tree National Park, listening to the YouTube Joshua Tree album, which is beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So I have that sort of connection to it, but I don't love you too even with that. Like, it's not something I go listen to very frequently. Um, yeah. Shia, you said you like U2 also. I, I enjoy U2. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of it doesn't, I like their, I don't know, I hate to be that guy, but I like their older stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, the, the sort of uh, personal and political experiences they were having as young men and young artists, um, I, I identify with a little bit. 
but yeah, there. I think um, how to dismantle an atomic bomb. I really checked out. I mean, I was never like a hardcore U two fan, but I really liked Sunday Bloody Sunday. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like the the big big songs. You know? Yeah, where the streets have no name. <laughs> I could name others. Probably not that, actually. They have that cool thing about like legit rock bands that also get pop success, where they're these really famous pop songs that you can kind of work with outside of a pop context. I mean, there's pop songs that are good for being purely really good pop music, like a uh, like a Carly Rae Jepsen or something like that. Uh-huh. And then there's U2, where it's good pop music enough to play on pop radio, but also it has a little more depth to it than Call Me Maybe. Right. Mm. Um, I but- like to... I like to very dramatically sing you two at karaoke, and that's about <laughs> where the line is drawn for me. So are you, really like... Claire, are you, like, anti-U2, or you, like, don't no, know you No, 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 no. I mean, I know the hits. Yeah. I try to delve a little bit. Um, my relationship with U2 is, like, like 2009, I was like, oh, Saul Williams covered a U2 song. And then, oh. like, 2013, I was like, oh, Trent Reznor covered a U2 song. Like, I don't. <laughs> both of which were great. Yeah, they were both great. And what songs I just, did Trent like, Reznor cover? Trent Reznor covered Zoo Station. Okay. And, I which I think is off of Achtung. And then Saul Williams did Sunday Bloody Sunday, which was so good. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, cool. Yeah, there's also there's a music video that goes along with it that sort of uh, ties it all together. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Saul Williams and Trent Reznor collaborated on Sunday Bloody Sunday. Oh, but as a kid, I liked the U2 song that's in Batman, obviously, because I'm not a monster. You know? <laughs> It's a uh, hold me, thrill me, kiss. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I've karaoke that one. It's I good. became aware of the Weird Al version first. Ugh. So when I heard the actual <laughs> version, it was it was like, wait, why isn't is that weird? Familiar? Yeah, yeah. That is weird. That's how um, beat it was. I didn't for get me. into Weird Al. So yeah. wait, wait, uh, was Weird Al allowed at your yeshiva? No. <laughs> oh, but I mean, Yankovic, come on. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was. I listened to uh, Matis Yahoo and. I mean, equally Jewish-sounding names. Um, <laughs> I, I purchased an album called Lev Tahor 4, which means Pure Heart 4. Uh, Lev Tahor was the name of the band. Um, there was an older group called Dvekis, which I believe means, like, piousness or something. Um, yeah, it was a real, real specific. Although I will say Yeshiva was where I got into choir music, which nowadays I really love, like, barbershop music and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said for it. I mean, I starved musically for those two years while I was at Yeshiva. I mean, it was it was rough. I was like sneaking. I had to like sneak like Green Day burned discs into, into school to listen to. Because <laughs> I was like an angry 10th grader in 2006 right. or whatever it was. You had um, to work out those feelings. Yeah, right? <laughs> then uh, it was everybody. When people got really rebellious, it was Green Day or Linkin Park or... Um, What's the German metal band? Like Duhas. Rammstein. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Rammstein. Rammstein. Uh, <laughs> Which is actually, uh, oh, here's an episode of Shia talking Rammstein to Shia. <laughs> it's the uh, Rammstein is actually named after um, an airport where there was um, a, a cataclysmic crash um, a few years before the band was founded. So it's it's a really controversial name, actually. Oh. Yeah. And actually, um, yeah, uh, their theme song, Rammstein, they talk about specifically the events at that air show. Really? Where, like, uh, yeah, like it, it was one of those like Blue Angels things oh, where yeah. like fighter fighter jets are doing stunts or what have you. And then one of them smashed into the ground and 
And uh, there was a, yeah, there was a whole kerfuffle. Kerfuffle, <laughs> if you will. I don't know why I brought that up. Yeah, I, I thought it would be more interesting to discuss. <laughs> Fascinating. So what, let's talk about the actual U2 talk that they do on the podcast, because it can be a little bit of a hard concept to convey a show where they almost never talk about U2, and that's why it's good, but also sometimes they talk about U2, and that's good too. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the parts where they are like earnestly like analyzing a U2 album or song? I I have found myself spacing out a little bit. Okay. But, I mean, it's still good. It's still nice listening to, because I, I really like Adam Scott Ackerman as people. <laughs> and it's really good listening to, like, two grown men who I appreciate, like, kind of geek out over something that they love that just happens to be you 2 of all things. Like, yeah. I don't know. Especially, like, Adam Scott will get kind of teenage girly yeah. at times. And it's... <laughs> It's kind of adorable. I like it. Well, I uh, I like the music of U2 well enough. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I play a little bit of guitar. And, like, when, you, um, when you're when you trying to learn any U2 songs, you really start to appreciate that Fedge. Um, <laughs> he sort of defied convention. Um, the guitarist of U2 was basically committed to never just playing, like, scales. Um, like, he always, like, even, like, the guitar line from any U2 song is just different. Like, the sort of, like, his, his choice of uh, what time or... Um, or yeah, like what? Just how it sounds. The whole like feel of it is different. It's closer yeah. to like the Clash or punk rock than it is to um, classic rock, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I w- I was gonna say too. Um, one thing that I enjoy is when Harris comes on. They're sort of doing the analyze fish thing to him because yeah. he's just like, "Oh, you two is dated. I don't like it." And they're just like, <laughs> "What? No." And then by the end of it, I mean, he sarcastically is like, nope, you sold me. It's my favorite band now. (laughs) That is a good episode. That's the third episode, I think, right? Where Harris is on for the whole thing? Yeah. Or the beginning, anyway? (laughs) For most of it, yeah. And then leaves. Yeah, I I like those parts where they talk about you two in the same way as I like Song Exploder, the podcast, which I've... I've, uh, Ah, yes. That's Mm -hmm. a previous podcast preview pick. They, like, I like maybe a quarter of the music that is on Song Exploder and probably a similar ratio of U2 songs. I like, I I really, really like like two songs and then I'm like cool with like 25% of it and then the rest I could take or leave. But yeah, totally. hearing Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott who love these songs, have heard them a million times and can make fun of themselves for liking them and the songs for their bad parts and also point out the parts that are good about those songs. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was trying to say earlier, where like U2's music is like very, very personal, but then also has a corniness factor where it's like there's a balance between like reverence and mockery that, yeah. <laughs> that I feel like they can hit really well. Totally. I've uh, I, I've been interested in the idea recently of irony levels, um, which is a phrase I use. I heard somebody use on Twitter forever ago, and I, I don't know who it was, um, but I, I think it's a really useful concept when talking about comedy and how ironic people are. There's because people work at different irony levels. People are mm-hmm. are people can love something because they just love it and it makes them feel good. People can love something because they they love the fact that they love it. People can love something for as many levels up from that and and make jokes about things on as many levels. How funny is this thing I'm making a joke about it? How funny is it that I'm making a joke about this? You know. Mm. And I think I think Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman walk a really nice line uh, and a really hard line to walk of being self-aware without being 
like annoying, ironic people who can't enjoy anything. Right. I agree. You know, which is, I think, uh, you know, that's part of the reason I like shows like uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me and stuff also because, you know, they I mean, they're like like they've talked about. And uh, I mean, Jesse Thorne with uh, Jordan, Jesse Go and stuff like that, too. I mean, these are all people who have explicitly talked about how much they don't like ironic haters, you know. And Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott don't talk about that so literally. Like, they don't bring that out there, but they do walk a really nice line of saying, like, we love you too, and it's legitimately good. Also, it is absurd for us to do a podcast about you too, and here's why. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I, I love the episode where they talk about their, uh, they read iTunes reviews. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had forgotten about oh. that until now. I forgot about that too. That's, That's yeah, that wasn't that wasn't fresh for me either. <laughs> um, if I could, if I could pick a standout though, um, I really love the episode where they talk about the Spider-Man musical. Oh god, the whole episode. Also, the, the I love the whole. Th- I mean, because that was actually one of the first ones I listened to. Really, um, I listened to a few before that, but then I got into that one, and that was I feel like their most studious episode because yeah. like the the musical has such like a, a fractured and difficult production history. Like they changed directors. They had to rewrite like the entire thing. And then you two was like trying to figure out how involved they were with this project. <laughs> um, so they, they had to do really do their homework and uh, they did, they had a ton of information about it, but then also it was like another irony level where it's like, how absurd is it that our favorite band did a soundtrack for a musical about right. Spider-Man, which is... <laughs> and and to, like, make it this really, like, poignant and really, like, beautiful production yeah. to do to say something, like, turn off the dark. <laughs> it's absurd. Hey, Spider-Man, turn, turn off, off the, the dark. dark. <laughs> if you can, uh, on YouTube, there's a, a, somebody did an animation of that. Um, yes. Little bit <laughs> where Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman are asking Spider Man to, to turn off the dark. <laughs> I love it so much. It's really amazing. And, and that phrase has no relevance to the musical itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a thing that was said by, by, by I think the kid. director's kid. Yeah. Like, kid. Like she, he was asking his mom to turn on the lights or whatever and said, Mom, can you turn off the dark? And she was just, her heart exploded in that Ugh. moment and was like, that's such a beautiful thought. I don't know what it means. What a beautiful thing. I've been looking for a name for this <laughs> musical. Uh, but it totally, uh, it goes with, I think, the rest of U2's hubris, which Scott Ackerman, which Adam Scott Ackerman call out all the time of like, when they overreach, it looks really silly. <laughs> I really, really overreach. Yeah. And the musical, the musical itself was also like a, a really... Um, a production marked by a ton of delays and problems because, like, they did a ton of wire work uh, where, like, Spider-Man actually fights Mysterio and they're flying. Um, (laughs) And I think, like, that show was a real meat grinder. Like, I think SNL even did a few jokes about it because, like, I think think three or four lead Spider-Man actors were, like, hospitalized because, like, their harnesses didn't work and they, like, broke their shoulder against a stage structure. Oh, my gosh. I had, this was not even remotely on my radar. Really? So, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I listened to the episode, but I didn't. I didn't know anything about it otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's you two going like way far afield, and then also the musical itself was just off the wall insane. Uh, so like just yeah, that's that was probably my sweet spot for irony levels. But then they also balanced it by like having a good amount of information about the musical itself. 
So much information that they apologized in the commentary episode. <laughs> they apologized for how informational that episode had been. As if they were like, we're, we're 13 episodes into this podcast by now. We should know better than t- to talk about YouTube that much in one episode. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Am I right? <laughs> right. I, w- I want to talk about that. an episode where I think the show hit its stride. And there's a lot of episodes where the show hit its stride. Like it kept kind of reaching new heights. Um, but I think distinctly the turning point from when it was a new show that was funny, that it was happening, uh, but still had a degree of earnestness to it to where they really figured out what the show was, was the episode that they recorded late at night with Paul F. Tompkins. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> where basically they tried to get Paul F. Tompkins to talk about his his experience hearing about U2. And I think Scott Ackerman went into this thinking Paul F. Tompkins had a relationship with U2 uh, yeah. in, in his mind, you know, that he, <laughs> he had known about the music because I guess Paul had done comedy bits making fun of you too when Scott and Paul were first friends in LA um, but Paul had no recollection of this and nothing to talk about as far as you two goes oh my gosh yeah <laughs> so. didn't he ask like many times about the first time yeah I think it started out with uh, Scott Ackerman was trying to sort of squeeze blood out of a stone <laughs> trying to to bring to bring some kind of a reaction out of Paul F. Tompkins yeah but then he just asked, when was the first time you heard about you two? Just in different wording. <laughs> like, I think five times. <laughs> I think and the they second time. fighting. T- I mean, earnestly, like, <laughs> like, annoyed with each other by the end of that show. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that really did it for me, I mean, I was listening to them, but I think I put on You Talking You Two to me while I was playing video games. I, yeah. I have a World of Warcraft problem, and <laughs> I was really into it at the time that I found this show. So I sort of spaced through it until I got to Stained Glass, which was towards yes. the end of the series. But just like, so Scott Ackerman like plays a song, and then Todd Glass has to like say whether or not it's U2. And for like five solid minutes, does not play a single U2 song. It's amazing. And I was crying by the end of it. <laughs> So it was so funny. <laughs> stained glass. Uh, it somebody offhandedly, I think Adam Scott offhandedly made a joke, like we should do a podcast called Stained Glass <laughs> with Todd Glass, where we talk about stained. And through <laughs> the form of you talking you two to me, they did. Like they <laughs> they got in touch with Todd Glass and brought him on. Todd did not know what he was getting into, and they did a an episode of of. You talking you two to me called Stained Glass, where they talked about Stained, the band, with Todd Glass. And, like, they played, they would, like, start every song from, like, by Stained. And it was all so horrible. And Todd Glass was just like, <laughs> the other what thing about, is this? Right, <laughs> yeah, Stained, Todd Glass did not have any special knowledge of the band Stained. <laughs> but, but I think that's part of what made it so funny, is that he's trying so his best good. to play along. But it's just, it's just this grueling experience of, and like, no, nope, like, don't know that song. You can hear him get like angry, but also still a team player. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's take a listen to that because I, I love that clip of the show. You could not even tell us one name of one song. No, 
But uh, I could. But if you played, I, if you played can songs, I play something. I would know if you play something. But seriously, okay. and don't tell me if it's going to be it or not. Don't don't just play his song. I'll tell you if it's his song or not in a heartbeat. I bet. Okay, so I'll I'll play a song, and, and I'll know if it's his song or not in a heartbeat. I would imagine. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, so I'm going to play a song. You tell me if this is a U2 song. So okay. Bono. And there I'm going to just tell you. You know, I think I could know pretty quick. No. <laughs> Okay. It's not. It doesn't have enough uh, soul. Okay. Would I be right to say that? It, you it, are. It, that was Jerry Rafferty, <laughs> Baker Street. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, the next one is going to be him, probably. All right. Here we go. Ready? No. No. <laughs> You're right. This is Steely Dan. Nineteen. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, one of these is going to be you too. Okay. All right. You ready? Uh huh. <laughs> yes, it is. No, obviously not. <laughs> come on. I, now I'm saying, come on, what? Play one so I'll know it's it? All right. Throw me off. Ready? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just trying to say, I'm not trying to be like, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not. I'm not. One of these is going to be you too. You you tell me okay. when we hit it. All right, ready? No. <laughs> Last time, Sally on the side, time, Sally on the right, time, shot of a vein. You got a big time, Sally on the bottom, walk this way. That's, that's the closest I can get to that. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to you, too. Ready? I'm going to say no. You are right. That is Weezer. <laughs> Buddy Holly. This is one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> Just listening to this. All right, ready? Can I just, instead of playing this game, would you ask me to play? But this is the greatest game. <laughs> I, know, so I knew it wasn't it, but here's what happened. My instincts were that it wasn't it, but I thought, well, how many will he play before it's it? So I said, don't trust your instincts, which my teachers used to tell me. Uh, can I just play you a song? Or? Well, yeah, finally, at this point, I think it would be better for All me. Right, I'm trying to think of what song you would know. Hold on. No, this isn't him. No. This is him. No, it isn't. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is him. Uh, oh. This is definitely well, him. <laughs> this isn't him? Just okay. play a song. All right, so here we go. Ready? All right, here is U2. This is probably their most fav- famous song. Here's the one that I'm hoping you okay. know. Okay. All right. Can I tell you something, though? See this type of music? I, I can get... I love music, like bubblegum music, too. Like, it's all over the place. <laughs> I love this type of stuff. I do. Well, not this. This was a little... I like this. Okay, I, here is... I, I don't trust you anymore. I don't trust you. <laughs> it's so much fun now. I almost like want you to keep find the weird songs you're going to play. Oh, All right, look. God. All right, Scott. Yes. No bullshit. Play the song. Look me in the eye and play a real song and stop around. All right. Here. All right. I gotta I'll be find able to it. tell. I got to find out. Just play the song. Seriously. Okay. Here we uh, go. Yeah, right, Scott, look me in the eye. 
I am looking you in the eye. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let me just hear a U2 song. All right. Here, here we, we go. go. This is U2. I recognize it. This is probably U2's most famous song, I would say, out of all. Yeah, don't play something new. Play something. <laughs> I knew this was them. Okay. <laughs> now really play their song. Okay. Here, here, here's the real... Here is it. Okay. Is this, is this driving? <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready? Yes, I know this song. Jesus Christ, you know how exhausted I am? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Oh, I'm fun. literally out of breath. <laughs> I like, could have done that forever, though. Just listen to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Classic. Oh, he gets so angry. Oh, gosh. He just gets so Todd, angry. Todd Glass. <laughs> Glass. What's funny is Stained was actually one of the first bands I got into as a wee child. Uh, I mean, they were on the radio with, I think, the price you pay to play the game. If Nope, nobody knows that song. Um, but yeah, that was on the same album as their... Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I could. Yep. And I think that it, it was one of the Scots who like said, it's been a while. And the other one was like, it's been a while. And like, that was the birth of Stained Yeah, Glass. and that was that pervaded... <laughs> I mean that pervaded Comedy Bang Bang. They're much Scott Ackerman's much more popular and long running podcast. I mean that it's been a while, uh, and the uh, it's been, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, and just the general concept of breaking into song. I mean, I don't know mm. if it's fair or like deserved, but I give you talking you two to me a lot of credit for starting that thing, which kind of pervaded a lot of people's senses of humor. Any of us who listen to Comedy Bang Bang regularly, anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. it's hard to get that stuff out of your head. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's another, another reason that, uh, there's like, there's a perfect balance between like madness and structure. Yes. You talk and you two to me Mm -hmm. because like it's, it's Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman who are both great improv comics and have the same sense of humor and they're pretty much off the leash completely. Yeah. But at the, (laughs) but at the same time, they, they were genuine U2 fans and they, they will sort of get frustrated that they don't talk about U2 at all. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, uh. It's just the right medium. It's just the right balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. It's a good show. Um, yeah, so that's You Talking You 2 to Me. It's a great show. Um, I should clarify, You Talking You 2 to Me is is not a podcast that is currently updating. Um, mm. There are 22 episodes of You Talking You 2 to Me, each of which is between one and three hours long. I don't think they ever <laughs> went above three. That's Joe Rogan territory. Um, but uh. there is, I mean, there's... It's it's a really great show. It's super fun and it's a satisfying arc also. So 22 episodes they they get you two on the show. I mean there's no more satisfying way that that the show could have ended. They um, reached the summit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the episode came out like so much like there was a big hiatus between episodes 21 and 22 so when that episode finally dropped we were all just like you did it (laughs) well it was actually i'm looking at the thing now and uh actually to be that guy um there was less than a month between episode 21 and 22 oh am i thinking oh yeah and that's actually because they went to see a live show right so it was all built together they were in a green room, and then you two showed up, and they had a really brief conversation. Which I think, also would have been to... a very satisfying end. Did mm-hmm. they try to record it? Um, um, I don't I think don't they. Remember. I think they didn't want to be too weird. Right. I think so. What I was thinking of was the live from Sketchfest, yes. which came out February, and then they did the other one in June or July. 
Yeah. I guess they did the other ones in June and July. Right. And I think the, the last thing, maybe the only thing said between them at that first meeting uh, between Bont Bonobos and uh, Adam Scott Ackerman <laughs> was, uh, we know more about you than you'd like. And then he, gives, <laughs> then, he, then he gives them a saucy wink. And then sure enough, like a month later, they actually reach out through their PR manager and set up an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazing. Which like, and it's, for me, it couldn't have been more perfect because it's like, it's not just a hugely popular band sort of like being stumbling into an interview where they don't totally get what the premise is mm-hmm. like Bono at least he really really loves the sense of humor that comes along with like the sort of absurd meanderingness yeah. of the podcast mm-hmm. um and yeah he shows up at this is a major spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't listened <laughs> but he, sho- he shows up with a hand-drawn illustration uh, <laughs> that references some things that were talked about on the podcast repeatedly mm-hmm. um and I think it's just, it, it's funny how much it resonates, that sense of humor, that oddball wit yeah. with, like, a, an international superstar like Bono. And I think it's, like, he's, you know, he's a guy who's sort of seen it all and, like, he's, he has a pretty good sense of what's out there. And then he gets surprised by this podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's uh, So if it's, it's good enough for Bono, it's good enough for you. <laughs> exactly. So check out You Talking You Too to me. Um, it's at earwolf.com. Earwolf is Scott Ackerman's podcast network. So of course it's there. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, you, the letter you talk in no G. I mean, it's, it's spelled how it sounds. <laughs> you, you talk in you too to me. Um, phenomenal show. One of my favorite podcasts. And, uh, I, I, re- I recommend it highly. Yes. Um, Claire and Shia, thanks for joining me on the show. Let's talk about Trent talk a little bit. Tell us about, uh, the show Ooh. and, and sort of your concept. Okay. Um, well, Trend Talk, it was a child birthed of loving you talking you two to me. And basically, we just talk about Trent Reznor's career from beginning to now. Trent Reznor, it should be noted, is pretty much synonymous with the band Nine Inch Nails. Yes. And okay. mostly we talk about Nine Inch Nails. He did a couple other things that we'll end up getting into. But we try to break it down um, album to album, similarly to how you talking you two to me was intended to be. And... <laughs> We definitely stay on track a lot more, but we try to do funny impressions and have funny segments and stuff. And it's yeah, a lot of fun, uh, your show. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. Come on, let's let you talk about how great our show is. <laughs> let's just... It is. It's really uh, fun. It's. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes. I, I'm, I, I'm not a completist just yet, but uh, I've listened to a few episodes. It's always a lot of fun. Um, and you, do you, you play the album underneath right. and, and talk about it in real time, right? And, Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I mean, uh, the earliest episodes we played like the entire album and just talked. <laughs> and we basically like at that point, it was kind of a challenge for us to have like four minutes of material of, to discuss <laughs> about a four minute song. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that that was fun doing it that way. But what we sort of evolved to is, is doing a lot more research, but then also writing more bits. Our episode for Halos 9 and 10, I feel like, is one of our best because... We stayed up extremely late, uh, did a ton, did a ton of homework, did a lot of writing, and I think it just comes out strong. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And probably, probably bears really, passing resemblance to you talking you too. I do a really, really terrible Rocky Balboa impression. Right, we figure we figure out how, we figure out how to pronounce uh, the home world of Wookies. Oh yeah, Kashik. I never figured I that one out. Kashik. Yeah. Also, yeah. It, we listen. figure out how it's spelled. Oh, we well, I knew how it was spelled. Three Y's? You yeah, knew it was knew three how, Y's? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a so, joke I, about I think, it. I think in Wookiees, it's actually... <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Anyways. That's uh, awesome. So Trent Talk, Trent as in Trent Reznor. Oh, Halos. You said a Halo. Halo is what he calls his albums, right? Yeah. yeah pretty much. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if the fans started doing that or I if Trent maybe, started I don't doing know that. Who started <laughs> and that's, that's, another, that's another sign that we picked the right group because like he's got a huge cult following. Yeah. Um, and then also he's uh, he's got a track record kind of like you two. Like he was... You know, kind of a visionary at the start, and sort of reinvented a certain genre of music, brought it into the mainstream. Right. But then, uh, then kind of had some weird hits and misses that mm-hmm. became like very poppy. And then he did a lot of soundtrack work, uh, and now is trying to get back to his roots a bit more. Yeah. And also, um, we decided in the beginning to do it Halo by Halo, without considering that all of his singles and like weird remix albums are also Halos. <laughs> so in that way. Um, we are reminded of a podcast that you talked about previously, Worst Idea of All Time. Ah, uh, that's kind of, yeah, that was be when we, when we have to go through, like, those, we're just like, oh, God, why did, why are we doing this? This is terrible. Like, yeah, we love over, you, yeah. but why did you make this? Yeah, a few singles, like, I don't think anyone has, anyone who's not a Nine Inch Nails completionist should ever listen to. Right. It's just pain. <laughs> it's just bad. But yeah. It's fun. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> Give it a and, listen. <laughs> uh, I'll say this as a I have uh, I have about the same degree of like or dislike towards Nine Inch Nails as I do to you two. Although I know less about Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails, um, so it's it's interesting too because I get to hear songs I don't know that well from people who know them very well who can tell me all about why a song is particularly interesting or different and how it fits into the pantheon of of Trent Reznor's stuff. Um, so it's a lot of fun. So check out Trent Talk. Um, you guys are right here on the Benview Network. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you're listening to this on the podcast version or over there on the Benview Network, if you're listening to this on the radio, um, <laughs> it's uh, cool to be uh, uh, network buddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shia Claire Dickerson, thank you for joining <laughs> me on the podcast preview. Yeah, thanks for it's having us. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. And thanks for listening to the podcast preview. If you want to talk about podcasts, you can send me a message on Facebook or Twitter at Podcast Preview. You can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode by searching the Podcast Preview in your favorite podcast app. And you can stay up to date on our website at BenviewNetwork.com slash Podcast Preview. I'm Aaron Prince-Staley. I'll talk to you next week. Oh, yeah. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. I'm Jordan, and this is Nerd's Eye View. Who do I have with me? I'm Andrew. I'm Tom. And what do we do here, Andrew? Well, we talk about movies. Every week we always talk about something that's new in theaters, as well as tell you what's going on with the box office top ten and what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. And then we do a crazy thing called Guess the Ending, which Andrew has a wonderful catchphrase for, but it mainly involves us coming up with crazy stories for all the new movies that are coming out. So if any of that sounds good to you, find us online, nevpodcast.com, or on Twitter, at nevpodcast, or benviewnetwork.com. 
What was I supposed to say?